to Not So Much Wait <laughs> mini episode. Yeah. Yay! Uh, we have a mini episode now to discuss the current rumors circulating, percolating. All I can think of is porcupine right now. <laughs> <laughs> I've got no other word except for porcupining about the new Star Trek series that is coming up. So we're going to do a rumors roundup. Yep. I like that. Yeah. Thank you. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Good sound effect. Thank you. Um, Ari, if you'd like to take us through the rumors, because I did not bother to write them down. Me either. Okay. Mm. So this is probably not all of the ones that are on the internet because the internet is, of course, infinite. But these are all the ones that I have heard and remembered to write down. So rumor number one, although I'm pretty sure this one is solid and almost corroborated, and that is that it is going to take place not in the stupid J.J. Abrams reboot universe, but in the Star Trek Prime universe. Yay! Yay! Which I think, honestly, is for the best. Oh, yeah. um, oh, I think yeah. anything trying to do... I don't know. I think keeping the new movies separate from already existing Star Trek TV canon is a really good idea. 100% agree. Because yep. the movies were essentially designed to get new fans into the franchise, but there's tons of other people who are actually going to be watching the television series religiously so a yeah. built-in audience mm-hmm. you want to make sure that you are placating them with enough in it to kind of keep those new fans in especially since they're using this new series as a sort of a carrot for people to for cbs's new frankly rather exclusionary and probably extortionate subscription streaming service but i'm not saying that's not going to work no, um, so uh, 100% thumbs up, great yep, idea. Absolutely excellent. Leave the movies to the movies. Yeah, yep. definitely. I think, yeah, I think this is a good plan. Yeah. Now, the there are two conflicting rumors that okay, is actually... So two A and B. Yep. One, uh, they're both about timeline, like when it's okay. going to take place. Although both might be resolved by rumor number three, but we'll get to that in a second. Rumor number one is that it is set after Undiscovered Country, but before Next Gen. Have I been awake for Undiscovered Country? Yes. Definitely. Have I? Yes. Undiscovered Country is the one with the Klingons where they end up on the ice prison planet. No, I have not. Yes. Okay, well, I've Undiscovered s- Country is about Klingons. I say, I know I've seen it. No memory. It's the one where they make the crack about Shakespeare and the original Klingon. Yeah, I know that yeah. line. Okay. Do not remember well, this movie. Undiscovered Country revolves around the political relationship between the Federation and the Klingons. Is this when they finally make friends? Yeah, basically. It takes place during, Ooh. at the beginning of, during the commit is the conference. Your, is this your space diplomacy movie? Yes! Oh, and this is the kin- is this the, the kin- where the Kinnamar massacre where Worf yeah. was orphaned. So this happens before that because okay. this is like at the beginning of the Undiscovered Country is either at the beginning or slightly into the the Kinnamar conference okay. where the Kinnamar Accords were signed, which is the treaty between the Federation and the Klingons. Yes. Okay, so I know where yeah. we are in the timeline. Um, mm-hmm. The one thing that I say about this is these are the ugliest uniforms they've ever had. <laughs> these are the ones that are like all red with the one strap that comes down from the shoulder and holds the chest up. And if you undo them, you get like beige well, casting. I have good news for you. Okay. Because there's no way they can recreate those uniforms. Why not? Because the materials that they use for them, they basically used, there's some big complicated story. I'm about guessing it, asbestos. Probably. Yes, actually. But they basically could not make any more uniforms after, I think it was after Undiscovered Country actually, because the material they used to make that weird ribbed, ribbed white thing no longer exists. Well, no, but they do have these uniforms because you see them in flashbacks all yeah, the time. they're all old uniforms. Well, I'm sure they'd be able to come up with something, but, yeah. like, that's the only thing I can think of, really, in terms of, like, whatever for right now, is that they would have to recreate those I actually uniforms. have no objection to these uniforms, but... Uniforms what? aside, interesting because it allows for zero cameos. Yeah. Not true. 
How so? Um, well, one, Guinan could totally be around. Because this is going to have to, by necessity, be after Kirk disappears into the Nexus. Sorry, Kareen. Um, and two, well, what? Guinan is definitely around at this point. If it's after the Kittimer, I don't think she's it would be strong enough to cameo to bring uh, No, I don't think it would be, although they could definitely get Whoopi Goldberg to do it. I'm 100% sure. The other one is that it wouldn't exactly be a cameo, but do you know who helped negotiate the Kittimer Accords? Dax? Curzon Dax. Curzon Dax, yeah. Um, that okay. would be amazing. It's, it's also, they, there could be cameo, like cameos that would have to be recast younger actors, because mm-hmm. Picard was in Starfleet at this time. Yeah. He was a young cadet at some point. Like, he was, like, because he does appear in, there's, he's got a flashback where he's just out of the academy, where he's in one of these uniforms, and I think you see when... Um, Jack Crusher is killed. They're still mm-hmm. wearing these oh, yeah. uniforms. Okay. So uh, there are places where you could have cameos, but they'd have to be with new actors yeah. playing we also younger know, versions. Because it's a pretty long period of time. It's between 2293 and 2364. It's a long jump of time. So between... that's, that's like 75 years? Yeah. So we don't know when in that time period it would take place. I'm hoping it's just after the Kinema Records. Because you just want space diplomacy. I do want space diplomacy, but I also really like the idea of exploring that weird, really uncomfortable period of time. I like the ones, the, the Star Trek storylines that take place when the Federation has stopped being at war with someone are always really interesting um, because it's like you actually see people in the Federation, the very self-declared progressive and accepting Federation, trying to battle with the fact that they were just brutally and bloodily at war with these people for a really long time. Like we see it with the Cardassians a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, where there are still people who do not fucking like the Cardassians. O'Brien, for instance, yeah. has a real problem with Cardassians, yeah. and at the same time, does not is not proud of himself for feeling that yeah. way. Um, yeah, and I will say right here, um, one of the things that I know I'm now agreeing with you about is I think if you were going to do something like that, Brian Fuller has shown that he can do this very well with again Hannibal, which was taking very small parts of mm. details out of the books. And embellishing it, it and flushing it out and creating <laughs> creating the story around, like, um, what happened in, like, take these three sentences of dialogue about what Will Graham was doing at this time and create a season about it or something mm-hmm. like yeah. that. So, yeah, in some ways, yeah, I yeah. can agree with that. And I, like, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing more about the Klingons. I mean, I yeah. think the Klingons at this point are a little bit overplayed and I'd like but to see something be, new. But this would be a very different point in Klingon history. It though. would be a very different point in Klingon history and I think it would be a really interesting thing to look at, especially if... You know, we're looking at something that's a little more space diplomacy and not space, space adventure. Mm-hmm. I would really like to see the because we get the idea that the the all or nothing warrior culture was a little bit less intense in Klingon history until more recent decades, centuries, and I would really like to see that transitional point in Klingon history. Um to be. To be. Um to be is that it is actually set post DS9. I would, of course, be 187% on board with this because that is what I have always wanted. Yeah, I would be, I also would be completely on board yep. with creating new continuity where you're not having to try and f- shove yourself yeah. in around events that we know have yeah. already happened. Would definitely be easier for them. Um, I would love to see picking up after the Dominion War. Yep. I would pay uh, CBS, I would pay quadruple your subscription fee for this. I'm just saying. I would. If it sways you at all pay quadruple the subscription fee if it is a post-Dominion war with Alexander Siddig as the main character. Yeah. 
I would also like to see I'm Sarah sorry, Clark he's really her. attractive, and yeah, I love Julian true. Bashir. It's true. Yeah. That would be amazing. It would it would have to, but but you know they could totally do that because then they could have more cameos, and I know how much they like cameos. I also just really really feel that you know after some period of time he was just being gay on Cardassia. Oh yeah, I assume so. Have you read Letters from the Northern Continent? Because if you haven't, you should. <laughs> so three three is that it is actually going to be a seasonal anthology, and I think this is one of the other semi corroborated things that it is not going to be one long continuity, but it's going to be a bunch of different little mini-series that take place at different points in history. So we can have all of these things. I am mixed in my feelings about that. On the one hand, on the positive side, it would allow for very contained, very well thought out, Mm -hmm. plotted, planned, and tight storytelling, Mm -hmm. which I would be really happy with so that you don't end up with like Enterprise a four-season mess that doesn't go anywhere and keeps changing directions when you're trying to figure out how the hell to keep viewers. Yeah. On the other hand, I really enjoy this series where you get to spend time exploring these characters and you have years to develop the character and the relationships and to see what comes out of different actors having time together. Whereas in if you're just doing short anthologies, you don't have the space to explore as much as you do with a longer running series. Strong agree, Kim. I wonder if they're using this as essentially a testing ground to see maybe if one of these stories, one yeah. of these season anthology sticks or resonates, mm-hmm. that they will then develop one I had that thought. I had another thought about that. And it sort of revolved around two things. One was um, Foundation. Have you read any of Foundation? You've read some of Foundation, I think. Which one's Foundation? Uh, Asimov. Oh, I've read the first one. Yeah, that's all you really need. I assume you have not. No. No. Foundation, what it was supposed to be, I actually found Foundation unbearably dull. Um, But the thing about Foundation was it was supposed to tell this impossibly long history over this impossibly long time period. And that you were supposed to look at it and go, oh, I see how that connects to that. And, And this person is connected to this person and blah, blah, blah. What actually happened was that they would tell about 20 years of a story and then it would jump forward 400 years. And you'd be like, but you didn't finish that. But what it was meant to be was to tell little stories throughout a period of history and have an arc that was actually the history of a culture rather than the history of individual people, which I think would be really interesting in a Star Trek sense, is just sort of jumping in and out. And I thought, the second thing I thought of was that episode of Babylon 5, which is the guy basically going through the historical records connected to Babylon 5 and just taking a central theme or person or concept or event and just pulling in all the threads that connect to that event or person or place or thing. And what you get after, like, a half a dozen of these little miniseries. And it wouldn't even have to be a thing you did obviously all the way through. It would just be, like, a bonus thing at the end where you're like, oh, that's how that all connects together. Mm-hmm. I could give you that. Yeah. Like a series of interconnecting tales. Yeah. yeah. But like more like, like a times. more like a web than a linear line. Okay. Mm-hmm. Kareem, what do you think? I'm I'm kind of with you, Kim, in that I'm slightly disappointed that it isn't a longer I mean if that's even true. Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> sorry. This is all rampant speculation. Yes. I'm slightly disappointed that I'm not essentially getting a season of television. I 100% and I I feel like yes they're very much hedging their bets to Mm. see like do a couple of shorts see what works what Mm -hmm. doesn't and then maybe go forward with the television series but again we have to think about the medium which they're releasing this is their weird subscription service which is not good for committing an entire season of television for no so I if, if that's the direction that they decide to take I absolutely understand it I hope that in the future and with the interest in this that they're able to commit to 
longer seasons of television. And again, if they don't want to do seven seasons of an entire mm, show, on one that's show. fine. Yeah. One season or two seasons or something like that. I mean, there is definitely a part of me that is going, no, Star Trek is seven seasons. It just is. I think one of the big problems in modern television is the inability or the unwillingness of um, networks and production companies or whatever to commit to a finite yeah. story amount. Yeah. Like, when you, you say, like, well, let's plot this out for three seasons. Oh, but it's season two and a half and we're getting phenomenal ratings. We're going to renew you for two more seasons. Yeah. Yeah. You need to stretch this out. And that, that's what ruins stories. And that's when you start having bad storytelling that falls apart is when you need to extend past what the logical and uh, natural emotional end of yeah. your, your series is. Supernatural! <laughs> <laughs> and I feel bad because, of course, it's so lucrative for these companies, so lucrative yeah. for the creative talent involved. Like, why wouldn't... 11 seasons? Yeah. What the hell? But I think that for storytelling, you're very right, Kim, was what makes it sharp and what makes essentially British television superior to American television oh, yeah. is that there is an end to it. Yeah. yeah. That it is very short, so you have to be so surgically precise with your storytelling that you do not have the luxury of filler. No. Which in Star Trek, in later seasons, in later series, we definitely see that there is a problem. Yeah. I'm I mean, just trying to pad out that 24 episode yeah. season. But I also think that that was more a problem within individual seasons than it was over the course of a show because there is a period in Star Trek history where it's always seven seasons. It wasn't more than seven seasons. It was just seven seasons. It didn't mm. need to be, though. No, it didn't need to be. But there was like a set, there was a cultural limit a, like a boundary set around a Star Trek, an individual Star Trek series. It's also why I think DS9 is like the the pinnacle of all of the Star Trek series because it takes all of the things that all of the other self-contained Star Trek series did and then expanded in every conceivable direction. Mm-hmm. And on that note, we also have that. Oh, hang on, I got one more thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I actually went back and I listened to our first episode about the first menu that we did about the new series. Yeah, and we were talking about things that we wanted to see and whatever. One of the things that you said, Kareen, was that. They shouldn't be doing one series. They should be doing seven series. Yeah. And in a way, maybe they will. Yes, and that's what I'm saying. Hey. This is the way. This Thanks, is the way. Ryan. They could do, you know, a series post Kidmer. They could do an academy yeah. series. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was sort of another slight positive Federation on this, news service on this like anthology thing. Yeah, and again, they if do. they if they choose to use it like um, Battlestar Galactica, mm-hmm. and that the original was that movies. mini series. Yeah, which was yeah. a mini series that extended yeah. into a television. Yeah. And if they wanted to do that, like yeah. let's say do your your many mini series yeah. Yeah. and then expand that into one season of longer television. Mm-hmm. Go back to the next mini series, expand that. Like don't or just do limit like, yourself into the seven seven seasons with yeah. the same characters. No, you I, don't have yeah. to. I'd be fine with breaking the seven season formula because like like you said about British television, it's like basically they don't have seasons of television. They just have a long string of mini series. And, then, and that works really well. And I think if CBS is determined to release this on the digital platform as like a streaming, there there shouldn't be the pressure to conform to they can do whatever they want. what you see on like a television show. Yeah. Because if yeah. you're not have if your intention is not to release this on like standard television where you have time slots and commercials, and you have to meet all of these like very established specific specific formats. rules yeah. and formats, yeah. like you should be able to just go nuts. Yes, they can do literally whatever they want. So I mean, strange that they're not putting it on network television. Though. Well, they're putting the the first bit of it, like the the first okay. the premiere or whatever, is happening on. They're broadcasting it on CBS. What I think is going to end up happening if they end up doing this sort of long string or web of miniseries, which I think, personally, I think is the best way to do, go about this. Because with a miniseries, you can still have a sort of a serial arc, but you have a, an end date. You have a, 
a, a visible container around what it can be, but you can still go back and expand on that if you want to. Mm. But it also means that you can do event television. Event television is very lucrative. Or event downloads. Or event downloads. Mm. Like, either or. I, I know. The only thing that I'm going to miss, which is what, what I like about Star Trek the most, is that that crew, that family, that camaraderie that you get with actors and characters working together mm-hmm. over a long period of time. I mean, time. they might That's still manage to miss. pull that off. But it will very much depend on how it turns out. Everyone's just going to have to watch all of the even as bad. Sorry, guys. Mm. <laughs> okay, sorry. Your next, next point. Yes. So I said DS9 is the best one, and a lot of that was because... Um, it wasn't on a ship. It wasn't a ship that just moved around. They were stuck in one place, and they had to let the stories come to them. For the first three seasons. For the first three seasons. Then they bought a ship. (laughs) But everything was still centered in one physical place. Now, what another thing about that made DS9 very different was that it it wasn't on the Enterprise. And that was a huge, huge deal, which they continued with Voyager. Went back to the ship formula, but it wasn't the Enterprise, which changed the character of the show because a cast member was always the Enterprise. This is not going to take place in the Enterprise. No more Enterprise. I mean, I'm sure the Enterprise mm-hmm. will be there in the universe, but it is not going to take place on the Enterprise. I'm okay with that. I am totally okay with that. I am okay with that, because unless... If we're ever going back to the Enterprise, I want my captain's got to be Rachel Garrett. Oh, God, that would be amazing. Yeah. But again, they'd have to recast. No. But, yeah. No, I think that's a very solid idea, yeah. Yeah. Um, especially if we want to expand the universe for more stories. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I think especially if, because um, I mean, in pretty much every iteration, Enterprise is the flagship of the fleet, so it's yeah. off doing stuff. Yeah. You know what? Set it on a Federation cargo ship that's hauling antimatter pods to all sorts of different corners. Make of the jokes year. about what number Enterprise they're on now. Yeah, but like mm-hmm. set it set it on something that's going to have different kinds of missions. So it's not always going exploring one week and then on a diplomatic mission the next. Do something where you're going off to like the scummy parts of the universe, or you're going to rescue somebody who is trapped upside down because their ship is dangling you know or what? something. You know, do one on a new colony. Mm. I would love that story. You know, and then not <laughs> that have story it, is the one hundred, <laughs> and then not have it get wiped out by the crystalline entity. Yeah, mm. so awkward. All right, next rumor. That's all I got. That's all the rumors? So, um, I do still think, though, that I would like to know what your one wildest desire for this is. Star Trek HR! You know what? I would actually... That's like a, a, the Office AU of Star yes, Trek. Yes, I want the Office <laughs> AU of Star Trek. I want to see what your day-to-day daily paper pusher grunt work is like, because I'm sure it's very One tedious. beleaguered paper pusher admiral and his... And, and his or her administrative staff. Yeah. There. Uh, ma- yes. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, my most secret desire for a Star Trek series is to have um, a Star Trek diplomatic corps mm. stationed on Romulus. Ooh. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, I revised mine. Penal colony. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I was going to say Federation News Service. But I've changed my mind in the three seconds before I, since I first thought of it. I, I want to see the rebuilding of Cardassia. I don't care for Because them. then you could have Alexander Siddig. Banging Garrick. <laughs> yeah. Obviously. <laughs> Plus, this is not being broadcast on network television, so CBS won't tell them to stop flirting with each other on camera this time. <laughs> that would just be delightful. As if Alexander Siddig could stop flirting with anything. He's <sighs> <sighs> so attractive. <laughs> We should just do an episode about Dr. Bashir. Oh, yeah. Oh, Anyways, <laughs> that has wrapped up our rumors early spring edition. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there will be more because there are always more. These are only like 
very early unconfirmed rumors by yeah. a guy I've never heard of before. Well, so. two or three different people. So there will probably be more wildly speculative, uncorroborated rumors to come. So uh, we'll see those when we've got enough to make it entertaining. Mm-hmm.